We are Marquette. 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 We I started here about uh, almost a year ago, and when I came to Marquette from the banking environment, and I had a personal kind of side interest in blockchain and Bitcoin going back a couple years, and really it was rooted in my own, just like most people who get into this space, they start by buying a little Bitcoin. You hear the hype, you're like, hmm, this is kind of intriguing. I want to, I, I was interested in investing, I was a hobbyist, and I thought it would be fun to own a little Bitcoin, a little Ethereum. And so I took a little spare change and bought it. I don't have, I'm not a Bitcoin millionaire, but that's how it started for me. When I came to Marquette, I kind of, you know, I, I'm in a role with the College of Business where I build relationships between faculty and external partners of any type um, in the interest of kind of identifying experiential learning opportunities for our students. So it, it's, it was kind of a wide open field and we have not, you know, six departments and nine majors. And it was at first for the first couple of months, me just plugging in, meeting faculty, trying to figure out what the needs were. And in the process of that, you know, we have a very well-known applied investment management program that is led by Dr. David Krauss in the finance department. I had a meeting with him one day, and I casually brought up Bitcoin and said, you know, what do you think about Bitcoin as an investment? And it was just a side conversation, and that opened a big can of worms because Dr. Krauss in that time had been really thinking that his students needed to really know where the the quote-unquote puck was moving so that he could prepare them for the future of jobs in the world of investing. So MIT has a blockchain lab, and Cornell, and Berkeley, and UCLA. Those are there are many, and they keep the list keeps growing. You know, I, I looked at that. I looked at what we had here at Marquette, and I looked at the the dearth of uh, people being involved in the blockchain space in Milwaukee and in the mid, you know, up really the state. And I thought maybe there's an opportunity here for Marquette. And I think Dr. Krauss also saw that, and a few other people at Marquette also saw that that this could be an opportunity for us to to pave the way for people. Uh, for our students, for our um, external, our corporate partners, for our community. So that's where it really started and that, you know, just kind of trying to be a leader in, in, in that space. Blockchain, the, the idea behind it kind of came out of a white paper that was introduced in like 2008. And that was where the initial like concept of blockchains as two separate words, that, that initial concept was presented and paved the way for Bitcoin, um, which is what most people associate with blockchain and how it became as well-known as it is today. Um, but blockchain and Bitcoin are not the same thing. But blockchains have expanded far beyond what Bitcoin is. But basically, Bitcoin was developed as a peer-to-peer -peer payment system, basically, cashless digital payment system that was decentralized. So instead of having a central bank or a, any kind of central player as a, as a controller of transactions particularly financial transactions, that the the transactions would be decentralized and they would be based on mathematical computations rather than on people kind of removing that trust element. This came out of the global financial crisis. Um, because, and, you know, if you recall, 2008, we're in the midst of the global financial crisis and there's a lot of distrust of big banks and big government. And so this group of, you know, rogue um, cypherpunks kind of came up with this concept of this new digital payment system that was global and it was anonymous and it was decentralized. So that's really the, I think that, you know, latching onto the word decentralized is important. That's the basic idea behind it, is that it would remove the middleman and create trustless systems where people can transact with each other without having to trust each other because it's all based on math. The, 
the arbiter of the or you know the creator of the trust is is a mathematical computation rather than a power player or per, or an entity that has power over people you know 9 years later i think that people i think started recognizing the potential of the technology itself and the cryptography and they started th- seeing that it could be applied not just to currencies but also to any kind of transaction between people any kind of contract between people between entities and in addition to that because of that potential of i mean it's pretty big potential to disrupt a lot of different industries um suddenly a lot of big corporations governments started looking at this and saying like well you know we don't want to be shut out of this you know what this disruption so we're going to they're trying to kind of get get into it so that's where things are kind of evolving fairly rapidly and the whole idea of that that initial idea of you know anti-bank decentralization is kind of just one little segment now of the whole blockchain ecosystem here in Milwaukee a year ago before I was at Marquette or a little over a year ago I I had gone to a blockchain hackathon in Nashville and came back to Milwaukee and I thought why are we not doing this stuff here this is so cool and so I asked around I reached out to some people I said what are we doing what's going on who's interested in blockchain and I found like maybe t- less than 20 people who would even knew what blockchain was um and and there are there there has been a Bitcoin Milwaukee group in Milwaukee that's like a club for people who are interested in Bitcoin investing and Bitcoin trading that's existed for a few years, and that's that would be, I would say be our most active community prior to all of this. So there was that, and a few leaders kind of came out of that. But it, I would say in general that that risk aversion that we're kind of notorious for in Wisconsin has been a part of, you know, not being an early adopter. But I, I think that a lot of people will say even though nine years later we're still in the early adoptions phase. So from that perspective, I think us starting this now is does position us as an early adopter, at least in the Midwestern sense. So that's that's where we're at right now. I would say that we're the blockchain lab and the Marquette support we have here and the community we're building, we're still all in the very early stages. But this thing mo- is moving very fast. So six months from now, things could look different. But I think we're we're still pretty early. I would say it's pretty compelling and exciting, the student reaction. I mean, I'm, I'm just tapping into that now, and that was one of my goals for the spring semester was to really identify students who are interested in blockchain and try to organize and share re- my resources with them because I've been building a network and identifying people in the state who are knowledgeable about blockchain, try to identify experts and see where the expertise lies so we can do something with that. And I would say that, well, one thing is there's a last semester, I, f- I found out late last semester that that there's a new student um, algorithmic trading club. And their focus, it's a group of primarily computer science, engineering, and business students that are coming together. There's about, I think there's about 50 students on the list who are building an algorithm, a trading algorithm, and they're focusing on cryptocurrencies. So that's very exciting. And they're really, they've, they're, they're pretty deep in it. And I think they know, they're, they're very knowledgeable and they, they're really doing some exciting work. Um, crypto, cryptocurrency trading is just one piece of the puzzle and it's not really for everyone because a lot of people are not comfortable with the level of risk associated with cryptocurrency trading. But that's that. It's it's great to know they're there, and and the and there's a lot of overlap with those that group of students and people that are interested in the other potential of blockchain. So there is a student from the College of Engineering, a mechanical engineering major, who has stepped forward to organize a student group, 
And he's very excited about the potential of blockchain and has already rounded up, is in the process of rounding up a group of students to start meeting in, in the next couple of weeks. And my hope is that the lab would really support them. I, as much as possible, I want this to be student driven because I feel like, you know, a big part of this is preparing students for jobs that the future of jobs with blockchain being one element of that and having them, you know, build their expertise and possibly partner with, you know, some of our external partners to build proofs of concept and do some really creative hands-on work is really would be a really important part of the go- our goals down the road. Right now we're just still at that stage of educating everybody and just building the network. So it's kind of like bootstrapping building mode, but but I think the students are 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 pretty interested and I think they're they may be as as it is with any tech disruptor Students are often far ahead of where the rest of us are at. You know, they're in their dorm rooms building algorithms and trading cryptocurrencies and joining the boards of startups, ICOs. And I've already met a couple like that on campus. So they're already out there doing stuff. We just kind of we're trying to pull it all together. Um, I've heard discussions of can we accept donations in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. And I've heard discussions about starting a, you know, possibly building some kind of a Marquette currency. Here at Marquette, I think we have ideas, and we're in that group of people that we have a lot of energy and a lot of ideas now. we got to figure out who can build this stuff. Blockchain is hard to understand. But, you know, just like the Internet, when, when it first came about, if you tried to explain what the Internet actually is, it would be very difficult to explain. Do we really need to know that now? No. Um, we just use it, and that's how it will be with blockchain, too. Right now, we're still in that phase of everybody's trying to understand what this strange thing is and what it can do for us. At this point, we're trying to just lay the groundwork, build the community, and educate people. So we do have events. I have been planning monthly events starting with um, the blockchain risk management panel discussion that we had recently. We're going to, in any ways possible, partner with some uh, external organizations to see where we can fit blockchain content into other people's events. So, for example, in April, we may, I'm trying to organize a blockchain smart contract coding workshop that would be a little more of a hands-on intensive learning how to code. And then beyond that, uh, lots of ideas. I think we're just going to kind of try to keep the momentum going and f- identify areas that people are, people really are hungry for information and be a resource and rely on our, our network to provide that information to them. Some of the areas of blockchain's greatest potential involve using smart sensors, for example, to sense data or sense sense some kind of like if we're talking about like in, um, let's say water pollution or something or some kind of toxin in the air that a sensor could sense that data and then that could be immediately um, tr- would trigger uh, the elements of a smart contract on blockchain and that would be immutably you know stored in a in a transparent way in a decentralized way and hold people accountable in ways that might actually make a difference um, that that's very exciting I think that 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 application or those applications and the potential for possibly slowing down global climate change and everything associated with it is what I'm most excited about. But there's other things too, like issues of um, economic disparity and banking the unbanked. There's a lot of potential ideas there. And one of the other applications that is a little farther along now that seems like it's working is um, Walmart has been, Whether you, no matter what you think about Walmart, they have been um, a real leader in the blockchain um, R&D space, partnering with IBM. And their um, director or vice president of food safety has been pioneering some really interesting ideas with tracking contamination on blockchain because, you know, a lot of times I think the food supply chain is very archaic in some ways. And I think that some of the potential there to 
get to the source of food and be able to trace such a, a contamination in, in minutes rather than days. Doug Fisher from the Center for Supply Chain Management and I had a phone conversation with Frank Giannis of Walmart over the summer, and he shared some of his work with us. And one of the things that was really exciting was how he said up to now it has taken days to trace a food food contamination because it's just of the way that the system had worked in the past. And with blockchain, they could trace a contamination in two minutes. And that is life-saving. It's life-saving. It's, it saves money. I mean, it's it's real. the impact of that is huge if we can get our act together and figure out how to make this stuff work. So that's where I think the, those types of applications, and if you look at all the white papers out there and all the ideas being shared, that the sky is the limit with what people can do when they're talking about that kind of efficiency and, and transparency. So... That's where I think the greatest that, – that's the best way to kind of see. If you look at those, some of those use cases and what they're proposing, the, the bigger issue is do they work? Do these use cases work? I think that's what we're going to find out in the next year. I will say that if you, as an investor in, in, in cryptocurrencies, you have to be comfortable with like a 30% uh, – drop at any time and it happens on a regular basis. I mean, it, you know, when everybody started flooding into Bitcoin, probably starting in like the late fall, um, there were a lot of people that were new to the space and maybe hadn't, you know, when you're seeing something rising like crazy, everybody's so excited and there's so much energy and, you know, enthusiasm. And then all of a sudden there's a bloodbath and people lose 30% of what they gained or more sometimes there have been crazy drops, um, flash crashes and things like that. But it always tends to recover. And, I mean, we can't use the, hit the past to predict the future. But, you know, the it, it there. I feel like there's still a lot of room for growth. I feel like, you know, digital cryptocurrencies could be the way of the future. And for that, that's why I started to get in, honestly. I, 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 was, I wasn't necessarily thinking of it as investment so much as I wanted to own Bitcoin so I could use Bitcoin as a currency. And I felt like if Bitcoin was the way of the future that, you know, I should start owning some of it because maybe someday fiat currency or the U.S. dollar, for example, is as one of the fiat currencies might not be used anymore. So better start getting in on it now. And that's where it started. But, you know, now people are treating cryptocurrencies as a store of value. And so they're holding their cryptocurrency. And I, you know, when you see those numbers go up and up and up, it's hard not to want to hold on to it. So for that reason, because there's so much uncertainty in the stock market right now in general, I mean, the numbers are so high. Nobody knows what's going to happen. I saw something the other day about how like a stock market, stock markets tend to have to crash around the, the turn of the decade. So I'm, I'm watching the stock market and thinking those numbers are insanely high right now. When is that? Everybody's, you know, if you, I read Investopedia articles daily and there's always a talk about like the stock market's getting ready to crash or it's not going to crash. It's going to keep running, you know, bull, bull run. I feel like, you know, that's a big area of uncertainty as well. And at some point, I, I wonder if those two worlds are really going to be so intertwined that it's hard to separate out where one is going to go and the other is going to go. But I, I think that I do think that cryptocurrencies are going to be around for a long time and they may be the main way we transact it in the future. But I don't know if it's going to be what that's exactly going to look like yet. It's really hard to say. There's a lot of people out there who are trying to take advantage of this this money grab. I think that focusing also on the potential of blockchain technology as a disruptor is more valuable than focusing on how to get rich buying or trading cryptocurrencies because while that is fun and interesting and exciting, it is also dangerous and very risky. But I don't want that to dampen the excitement for the legitimate uses of blockchain that are on the horizon.